Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valtez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got a really good show lined up for you today. Uh, and we've got a couple guests in the studio wearing masks. It's uh, We're in the midst of this uh, pandemic, so uh, we're glad to have you in the studio with us. And uh, we've got Bruce and Nate with Master Builder Solutions. And now, Tony... Master Builder Solutions is probably not something a lot of people are familiar with. Right, absolutely. They might be familiar with it, but they might not know they are. Yeah, they might not realize it. There's actually a really good... Uh, there's actually a really good story that goes behind that, which will make that name uh, seem more familiar to you as we talk about it more. But uh, there's a product that Par Lumber Company sells. It's that, probably uh, the best product in its category. Oh, in, in my, my opinion, opinion, it definitely is, without question. In our opinion. In our opinion, yeah. And uh, and we're going to be talking a lot about that product. We're going to sort of um, um, d- explain why the product is better um, why maybe it costs a little bit more, why it makes sense to spend a little bit more to get the better product. We're going to be talking about all of that stuff. A lot of contractors and homeowners out there would probably recognize the product as uh, being called TX1 or NP150. Yes. Uh, those are very common terms that we use when we refer to that product. But essentially, it's a caulking or a sealant product that is used for the exterior of a home or whatever type of a project that you have. And we're going to talk about all of that stuff and what the very best application is for it. And uh, we're talking a little bit about its competition and where it's falling down. Uh, We're going to, we're not going to hold, we're not going to pull any punches. Honestly, we're going to get down and dirty with this product because honestly, Corey, as you and I know and talk about on the radio all the time, the quality of the sealant that you use on the exterior of your home has everything to do with the longevity of your home, of your siding, of your trim, of all of that stuff, even even of your paint job, right? If you if the caulking fails, the paint that's on it fails. Yeah, and this is one of the things we talk about on the show all the time is home maintenance. And a lot of people don't know this or do this, but caulking needs to be cut out and replaced. <laughs> like every five years or something like ha- that. If you have a really bad caulking, you might have to do it every three to five years. If you have a really good caulking even, you might have to do it every 15 years, right? Mm-hmm. Ish, 15 years. Who does that? Right. Have you as a homeowner ever done that? And the question is, do you want to go around your entire house every three to five years, cut out all of the caulking, re-caulk it, and then paint it? Who wants to do that? Nobody wants to Nobody. do that. But uh, there's a lot of things people don't want to do. Nobody wants to go to a funeral either but you know what it's it's ex- yes. it's, it's something that you have to do it's, it's part of our to, life and, and the, if you think about this nobody and, wants to clean the chimney flue but you should because, but you have to yeah i mean you're 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 either looking at replacing the caulking or down the road replacing your siding on your tr- and your yeah, trim the the and your windows maybe if you've got wood windows yeah i mean the list is endless honestly so let's properly introduce our guests for today, we've got uh, Bruce and Nate with 
The name again? Master Builder Solutions. Master Builder Solutions. Or Thank you guys so much, so much for being with us today. Uh, how are you guys doing? Great. Doing excellent. Yeah, great, great. Okay, this is it. We are, uh, we're, we're officially breaking the ice. They've been listening to us talk about the stuff that they know a hundred more times than us about. <laughs> yes. And so we're going to give you guys an opportunity to tell your story and, um, and help us uh, uh, familiarize us a little bit with the product that you're selling. But first, tell us a little bit about you and what you do and, you know, what, what you're passionate about, Bruce. Tell us a little bit about you. Well, so I've been doing this uh, construction chemicals business for 31 years now. Um, I started out with distributors, not unlike yourselves, um, for the first 10 years, and then uh, got hired by the company that ultimately became BASF, which is now going to become Master Builder Solutions. Um, and and then uh, about eight years ago, I decided I want to be an independent rep. You know, instead of having to deal with all the day-to-day stuff. I'm, I got to be careful what I say here. All the day-to-day -day <laughs> corporate stuff. Yeah, I want to just deal with selling and working with customers and so forth and having a greater percentage of time for doing that. And so uh, eight years ago, I went, became independent. And then it, I was getting so busy, I decided, you know, I need some help. And I had a partner here who's my son <laughs> yeah. who, a good partner. who graduated from college two years ago. And I said, you know what? You're studying, well, I'll let him talk about that, but uh, I said, I think what you're studying is very relevant to what we do. And as a result, uh, he started out kind of as an intern, if you will, for the first year. And now he's, you know, pretty well immersed now towards the second year. And uh, it's been a great partnership for us. That's fantastic. That's awesome. I think, I think that there is a split um, crowd, probably, uh, when you talk to people about, I want to work with family. And I don't want to work with family. So clearly from that introduction, I can tell that Bruce is loving working with his son. Now, Nate, yeah. <laughs> how you doing, buddy? I'm doing excellent. It's very nice to meet you and good to see you today. Great to um, see you. Tell us a little bit about your story. What did, what did you go to school for? So I actually went to the University of Oklahoma uh, to study, well, originally to study meteorology, uh, ended up ending up changing my major to environmental sustainability, uh, and then got a minor in geographic information sciences. Um, graduated in 2018 and was trying to go through the process of finding a job, which proved to be uh, not very successful uh, during that period. And so at the same time that my sister was actually helping my dad while, over summer that she was home, I ended up uh, having him approach me and say, hey, you know, I'd like to have you work with me and help me just kind of get through a lot of this extra stuff that I have to get done. And so I said, y you know what, I'm I'm kind of begging for any sort of job, so I, I can't, I, I can't, I can't really be choosy at this point. So. Mowing the lawn isn't cutting it. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, uh, yeah, exactly. And so I was like, you know what? I might as well go for it. And um, I didn't really know exactly what I was getting myself into because I had kind of a general idea of what it was that my dad did, um, but didn't really have a, a proper appreciation for that. And so, started in August of 2018, and uh, I've been working with him ever since. Uh, it's it's interesting because a lot of people that are in the building materials industry, and I would consider your business part of the building materials. Absolutely. You know I mean, whether it's commercial or residential or multifamily, uh, it's building materials. In Not very many people go to school to be in the building materials industry. Correct. There's not, I mean, there is construction management that is a very popular, you know, degree to get 
And then, yes, you go into the building material. Building. But there's really not a set curriculum to be in the building materials industry, right? I agree. How do you get into sealants and caulking or selling lumber? You kind of just fall into it. Sure. But it's highly technical. You have to understand and learn a lot about construction, about building science, and that's what we're going to talk about today. It's a it's a very very fun topic. Tony and I love it, and I'm glad that you chose this industry, Nate. I love that you said it the way you said it. That they don't go to school to learn. The fact is, in this industry, I feel like most of the people learn it from doing it. Yes, and that's just kind of how that is. We got a lot to talk about. Before we do that, we got to take a quick break. Don't go away. You're listening to Tony Core, Your Weekend Warriors. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today, we've got a couple guests in the studio, Bruce and Nate with Master Builder Solutions. Uh, it's a company that manufactures caulking and sealants, the, the, probably the best in the world. And you may know the company BASF, who currently owns them. And uh, that's that's a whole story in itself, right? Yeah, what, is, what does BASF stand for? What does BASIF even stand for? So it's a German company, and so it's an acronym, but in German. So it's Baden und Adeln Soda Fabrik. So Baden is a region in Germany. Adeln stands for aniline dyes. Soda is caustic soda. So when they first started back in 1860, they were making aniline dyes and caustic soda. And the Fabrik is just a, a German word for factory. So that's so how they it, came up if with If it was in Portland, it'd be like the, the Portland Aniline Soda Factory. Something like that, yes. Nice. Or, or, or dye in soda, yeah, yeah. Asp. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Well, so, I mean, 1860, that's a long time. These yes. guys have been doing what they've been doing for a long time. Uh, there's something to be said for that, first yeah. of all. Um, so how did you, as a young man, you said 30 years in the in the industry, in, the, mm-hmm. in this particular yeah. business, um, how did you, as a young man, get turned on to chemical-y stuff? Did you, did you go to college and get a degree in chemical smartness so not in chemical uh per se but i do have some multiple degrees so i've got a uh, master's degree plus you know actually i was working on a phd and long long story but i decided that uh maybe a phd isn't what i really wanted to do (laughs) so i got out of it but then when you get out of these things you kind of like what nate was saying you know you find out hey what do i do with myself and so i actually applied as a inside guy for a little company uh in portland that had a little store and they specialized in waterproofing and caulking and concrete repair products like pacific putty very much like them yeah um this was actually atlas supply and so uh they i started in there and i was reading like two novels a week because it was so slow and it was killing me. I mean, I enjoyed the novels, but it was just killing me. <laughs> so, so you should have finished your your PhD because then, then people could have called you Dr. Sealant. 
they call me Dr. Seelin anyway, so I didn't need the PhD. That's great. So anyway, so um, I, they, I had an opportunity to go into outside sales, and that's what I did. I had to come back in a couple of times to work with the new inside guy because it was literally a three-man operation. Wow. Uh, but uh, segued from there uh, to bigger companies. Um, had three different uh, companies that I worked for in distribution, and then finally had an opportunity to work for the manufacturer that ultimately became this company now, BASF, which is soon going to be Master Builder Solutions. Well, I'll tell you what, just based on the resume of Bruce and Nate alone, I feel like you and I, Corey, can say something that we've never said before. We feel dumb. There is a oh. lot of brains in this studio right now. <laughs> I mean, and a we lot. feel dumb. A lot. <laughs> and we feel dumb. Uh, anyways, this is really great. I say to, that all the time, though. Really great to have you guys on the radio. Let's talk about, there is a lot of caulkings and sealants that are out there. And there is a lot of them that do a lot of different things. Uh, one primary difference, one is intended for use on the inside. And it's got a, a mill to side. It's for kitchens and baths and that sort of thing. And then another tube of caulking is for outside and for windows and doors and that sort of thing. Okay, so that's just one example of a difference. But when people pick up a tube, you know, they might just be thinking, um, well, this is just another tube of, of caulking. Goo. So tube of goo. Yeah, it's a tube of goo. Exactly. That's right. A lot of people just do not want to understand it better than that. And yet so much is writing on it. So let's talk a little bit about um, what is the primary expectation for any exterior uh, sealant. What is the primary expectation for any exterior sealant? I would say two things. One, proper joint configuration so the material can expand and contract and move when you have thermal change. Okay, so that's number one. And two is to have a sealant that's going to last a long time so that you don't have to recalk it, you know, every three years, five years, whatever, that you can leave it there for 20 years, come back and it's still performing. Okay, so let's let's attack those one at a time just a little bit. Like, for example, the first one. Uh, I might when you said what you said. Uh, obviously, I've seen a lot of products. We sell a lot of products at Par Lumber Company. The first thing that comes to my mind maybe is um, is Big Stretch. Big Stretch specifically goes after one portion of what you talked about. Right, we're gonna fill that gap, and we're gonna stay in there, and we're and we're gonna stick to everything. Um, would you would you say that uh, that product has that maybe got that niche knocked out? No, not by not by a long shot. So one of the problems is is that you've you've got different chemistries and the different types of chemistries involved in making these products uh, directly relates to the durability. So for example, and I won't pick on them in particular, but they're products that are acrylic latex. And I'll give you an example. I had a tough shed that I bought and the condition of getting the warranty on my tough shed was I had to use a specific acrylic latex product. I won't name it. Might even be in your store <laughs> in, in order to get my warranty. So I did it. At the end of one year, that acrylic latex material was cracked, pulling apart harder than a rock. And I knew better because I was in the business, but it's like, okay, I'm going to capitulate to these guys send the photo to show that I caulked and had the tube there. So it showed them that I used their stuff. And then I'm like, well, that was a waste of time. The only good thing about that was it because it's water-based, it was water cleanup. But otherwise, in terms of functionality, I then went back with one of the products that we sell, recalked, and I've never had to recalk, and that was nice. 12 years ago. 
I uh, that is an amazing story. Um, but I I kind of want to go back a little bit further, Tony, to what you said in the very beginning: indoor versus outdoor. Let's kind of break it down before we get into the specifics of these particular caulkings. What makes an indoor caulk versus an outdoor caulking? Because people, you know, like you said, people go to the store and there are a million different sealants on the market. And I mean, I get confused. Mm -hmm. You said acrylic latex. What are, what is the differences? Tony kind of mentioned a couple. Mild aside. I know that, you know, bathroom and kitchen caulkings do have milled aside, but then you hear a lot of people just say, oh, just use silicone. And that's what that is, is a silicone with a milled aside in there, which unfortunately leaches out after six months, and then you don't have a milled aside silicone anymore. Interesting. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to listen to you, the okay. professional. Let's talk. All right. What is the difference between indoor and outdoor? Well, one thing is the fact that you have thermal movement occurring outdoor. So the sun comes up, things heat up, that joint that you've got your sealant in closes down and then the sun you know starts to set and things cool down and that those materials shrink and that joint opens up and so you've got to have a material that can tolerate movement repeated movement over and over and over and over again day in and day out right season after season exactly so you're sitting there thinking okay i want something that's very flexible and will stay flexible and without getting it it would be too involved for this discussion, but I've got samples that go back to 2002. And in many of the samples, after a year or year and a half, products that start out looking really good in 18 months don't look so good anymore. They get harder and harder and harder, and then they're not functional. So one issue is, is the, the quality of the ingredients that they put into these exterior caulkings. Now, interior, it's not such a big deal. So um for for a couple of reasons one you don't really have thermal change generally speaking there can be but generally in a house everything pretty is stable. Sta pretty stable and static so you can use a water-based material that doesn't require uh the need to be super flexible and it really just needs to be paintable frankly dry and paint and you're good to go that's a that's a pretty good accurate description yeah well so if if it, i mean it's as simple as it seems you would think that uh, there that there wouldn't be a lot of um, failures in bathrooms where caulking and kitchens where caulking is used. I want to talk about this a little bit. We got to take a quick break in a minute, but I want to I want to talk about some of the common failures of specific ingredients and in some of these caulkings that cause them. Okay, I know you can talk to that in ex yeah. exterior caulking yes. specifically. Yes. You're talking about. Yeah, so, so uh, but before we do that, we got to take a quick break. We're actually going to come right back, folks. Don't go away. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your Weekend Warriors. You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now... Here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Hey, if you haven't already, go check out all of our social media. We're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, it's at WW Home Show. Uh, if you want to go check out our website, it's www.homeshow.com. If you miss any portion of this show and you want to go listen to it, we are podcasts. 
So uh, you can go to Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Google, Google Play. That's right. Absolutely. You got them Boom. all. Boom. Nice. I usually need your help. But <laughs> today you on are it. on point. On it. Uh, today we've got guests in the show. We've got Nate and Bruce uh, currently working for a company called BASF, a uh, German company. Which uh, I, Do you remember that commercial from the like the 90s? Uh, was it the tapes? Cassette tapes. Cassette tapes. Yeah. And, they, and then there was this commercial about how they manufacture more than just cassettes or something. Well, they used to have a slogan, uh, we don't make the product, we just make it better. That's right. That was that before was they acquired our, our division, and then they realized, oh, we got to really admit that we do make a product that's a finished product, because a lot of times they would just have uh, base chemicals that would go, ingredients that would go into products yeah. that would be finished. Yeah. See, I remember that from the 90s. BASF. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that. That's weird. That's cool, though. Uh, so anyway, BASF. But of course, as we know, uh, we have we had that conversation? That BASF is going to be going away. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, there's just selling off this segment. Yeah, BASF right? will still be around, but we won't be a part of them. Going away from this product line is what yes. I was going to say yep, before. Yep. I... Yeah, we talked, I think, a little bit about that in the yeah. first or second segment, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, it did. I, that's what I was asking. The question was, did we cover that? I think so, but okay. it'll be Master Builder Solutions is the, is the company name. But the master seal name, which we are using right now, is still going to stay in place. So it'll be a surname before, you know, the model number of the product. Yeah, cool. Which most people, I think most people hear the name NP150 or TX1. Yeah, this is the orange tube, which here brings me to another little note before we move on with uh, the differences between interior and exterior and that. Um, The orange tube. When I walk down the caulking aisle at uh, Par Lumber or any store, and I pick up a tube of caulking. I'll tell you what, that thing has got seven trillion words on it. And they are so small that in some cases you need a magnifying glass. But there are not that many words on the orange tube of TX1. I feel like that uh, TX1 and MP150, Master Seals product, they do not feel like they need to sell their product um, by looking at the tube. This is a product that sells itself uh, ahead of time. Right. Mm-hmm. This is a product that people choose and ask for and purchase because of its reputation and its ability to perform. Would you say that sounds like that's on point? Absolutely. So the old brand name was Sonneborn. In yes, fact, when, <laughs> when Par first became a, a, a distributor for that product, it was Sonneborn was the brand I and their that, color yeah. was orange. And so they changed names, but at least they were astute enough to recognize that that orange color was important and they kept that. it was Pe- people walk in and they just want sauna born and sauna elastic yes sauna elastic mm-hmm. was a surname of the brand yeah that's right yeah mm-hmm. it's been a while hasn't it's it it's elastic been, mp150 it's been years ago since yeah. it was uh since it was like yeah. that yeah very interesting well okay so let's get back to what you were talking about Corey, before we went to the break yeah yeah the differences you know between interior and exterior and you kind of touched on a little bit with the chemicals that are in uh, interior caulkings, acrylic latex. And I kind of want to talk more specifically about what causes failure. In an interior application, people would tear out caulking because it's moldy. I've right. seen that in a bathroom, say. Sure. It uh, sees a lot of moisture. I think it's moldy, and they tear it out and replace it. Or... You know, or Set- pulled, settlement, or settlement? It's pulled, pulled away from the wall. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. We see cracks in it. Yeah, or somebody maybe used some damp 
lumber or tra- I mean, I can't imagine, but if somebody used something that was damp and it shrunk, um, then it would also create a gap, you know, a gap there. Okay. Okay. Se- seismic event. You know, so I'm those not, are some yeah. of the failures that would happen indoors, right? Uh, and probably from using an acrylic latex that doesn't have the movement capability, which so means that's re- it's not stretchy enough. Basically, that's it dries and hardens. Yes, yes. So let's talk about exterior. Some of those common failures that most people see, where just like you said, you see the caulking separate, or you see the caulking cracking. What makes NP150 or master builder solutions caulking not do those things. What are the what are those ingredients that people need to look for that that fail? Well, so the ingredients aren't necessarily going to be on that tube to tell you. I mean, for example, TX1 will say urethane sealant, so you know, okay, it's a polyurethane. On NP150, it'll say a hybrid sealant, but the average person may not know what hybrid means. Okay. But there are differences so as much as there's not that much writing on the tube, there are data sheets that you can you know, get off the website and they would tell you more about the capabilities of the product in terms of a few basic tests. One test is what they call movement class. So movement class comes in different numbers. There's class 25, class 35, 50, 100 slash 50. What they're talking about is if you can imagine, I'll make this simple, although it's not a typical joint, if you had a one inch wide joint, uh, you would be able on a class 25 sealant, like uh, what Nate is holding right now, I believe, um, you would be able to tolerate plus 25% extension or 25% compression in the cap- and still be within the capabilities of the joint sealant. So in this case, we've got a class 25 now this one happens to be a pick resistant sealant, so it's really tough. So it has some added properties to it. Whereas I think this is the one I was gonna show. This is TX1, that's a class 25 as well. Oh yeah, moves it, quite but, a bit more. But it has more, but the different, there was a functional difference. This performs a specific function as a pick resistant sealant. So you've got that kind of movement capability. But if we go to something at the far end of the extreme, here's a product that's used for bridge joints. Take a look at that kind oh, of flexibility. Wow. Look at so that. Descri- um, to describe what you're doing right now, you have two pieces of anodized ex- aluminum, extruded okay. am- anodized aluminum. They're about one inch tall by three inches long. Two pieces of them, and they're joined together by a bead of caulking. Half that's- inch by quarter inch dimension, yeah. And, and they all look the same. Yeah. They all look the same from here. Yep. But the, the first one that you picked up, you rotated it back and forth. Uh, between the, you took one piece of aluminum and the other piece of aluminum and twisted them, mm-hmm. and it moved a marginal amount. Right. In the last it was one, firm. The, it was very firm. The bridge one that you just had moved a lot. Yeah, a whole lot. But it's a functional need. Okay, so two things. One, how fast it cures because you can't shut a bridge down for seven days and wait for it to cure out enough. Mm-hmm. And two, you've got this galloping gurdy bridge joint that's moving all over the place. So that's why you would need really extreme movement capability. Here, we've talked about NP150. So here's NP150. Still super, super flexible, right? Yeah. And we'll pass that over there. Here's TX1. It's still a good product, but it doesn't have the same movement capabilities. So, So let me ask you this. Why wouldn't you just make the one like the, for the bridges for everybody? 
Is it cost? Cost um, would be one thing. The other thing is it cures super fast. So, I mean, in 45 minutes, I can turn this open to traffic. It's rubber. Wow. Wow. 45 minutes. So, so that would be a problem. Now, could they slow it down? I suppose they could. The other thing is it's a self-leveling material, so that's not going to work very well on a vertical. And I okay. suppose they could add fillers to make it non-sag. But ultimately, it comes down to cost. And we have to understand that we uh, – or the audience needs to understand that the customer um, – may want a lower cost material, like good, better, best. Of course. So, we, so we can provide a good product, we can provide a better product, and we can pro provide a best product. But across the spectrum, we feel like we've got the best good, the best better, and the best best. Right, product. yeah. I mean, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, that makes so much sense because obviously you have to come to market with something that is competing with the uh, the least expensive out there. Economical. It's, yeah, economical, but still performing at the level that you want it to perform to. There's so much more still to talk about, folks. You're going to really love what's coming. Don't go away. You're listening to Tony Core, your Weekend Warriors. We'll be right back. show built by par lumber now here's tony and Corey. hey welcome back to the weekend warriors home improvement show thanks for sticking around today we've got bruce and nate with master builder solutions and uh right now they're with a company called basf which uh, is selling off but that doesn't matter you know the name right master seal Master Seal, Sonelastic, Sonaborn, MP150. That product that is very that is very tried and true. Yeah, the these... Par Lumber Company sells all uh, by, by the pallet. Oh, truckloads, truckloads truck of pallets. The, uh, yeah, that's what I like to hear. Truckloads. Truck yeah, it's yeah. Uh, this is by far one of the most uh, popular and one of the best products in the world for sealants. And uh, today we've been talking a little bit about interior versus exterior what makes an exterior caulk an exterior caulk and what makes it perform uh, some of the failures that you would see we talked a little bit about that how they dry and crack as they a year down the road you walk around and you see in your house where somebody had filled in uh, with caulking and it has cracked there are how it, i do want to talk about this though because there are different methods for actually caulking Right. You, there's situations where it might be too deep or too wide that even the best caulking in the world could fail. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that, because I heard two point adhesion or what a three point adhesion. There's like these weird terms. Yeah. And it's yeah. all science. When and, you've got a when you've got a deep crack and you are filling it with. Uh, like a caulking backer, a caulking rod, backer rod, yeah. backer rod, yeah, something that, uh, yeah. Let's talk about that application and what's expected in in larger. What's what is the largest size crack, for example, that you can expect a product like MP150 to um, to perform in? So you want to you want to take it away with the uh, plus minus uh, the ideal configuration and, and yeah yeah yeah, yeah go ahead it. so ideally for industry standard for a proper joint configuration we want to be half inch wide uh by quarter inch deep so ideal world you'd want that two to one width to depth ratio 
uh, but there are several uh, caveats when it comes to that. So the maximum width, or sorry, the minimum width that it should be was is a quarter inch, right? Mm-hmm. Quarter inch. So you can have a minimum of quarter by quarter dimension. Now, granted, that's not two by one. Um, that's one by one. Um, but of course, you want a minimum depth of quarter inch and then a maximum depth of a half an inch. So there are some situations where, let's say, you have an inch and a half wide joint. Uh, the maximum depth you can have is still, uh, that would be half an inch, I do believe, correct? So your ratio is three to one instead of two to exactly. one. Exactly. Interesting. So, okay. right. so, joint so two depth. to one with the depth ratio doesn't hold up all the time. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a, a half inch wide, say, width on a gap, say your siding comes up to your window trim, you want to leave a half inch wide gap. Right. Well, you mean in terms of the depth? No, 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 the width. So you're, yeah, yeah. you're siding I, exactly. I, ideally, yes. You got your piece yeah. of trim up yep. there and your mm-hmm. piece of siding, and that piece of siding you want to butt against your trim, mm-hmm. but you want to leave a gap. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people know that. <laughs> well, you have technically you have to leave a gap if you want the caulking that you're putting in there to perform the way it says it can. And you're absolutely right. People don't know that. This is what they think. Butt the siding up tight. And then just caulk in the space. And yes, then, on the surface. And then the, the caulk will do its thing. But in that instance, you have you have a two points of contact, right? And you, you were have talking about three. Ad- you have an adhesion problem. Mm-hmm. That's So that could potentially be a failure. Yeah. Well, exactly. that, I mean, if you have the siding obviously right up to the trim, then it wouldn't even be a, a, butt, a butt joint that you're talking about. It'd be a completely different type of joint, which would be a fillet, fillet bead, essentially. So ideally, for the, the ceiling to perform... To the best that you would want it to, you know, ideally you want to have that two to one width to depth ratio with using backer rod to try to set the depth. So there are three different functionalities with using a backer rod. So you would use it to set the proper depth. It would also give you something to tool against, and then it would prevent third side adhesion because the, the joint sealant will not adhere uh, to, the to the backer, backer rod. rod. And there's obviously multiple different types of backer rod as well. So the most uh, common one, really the best one that you'd want to use is bicellular, and this is bicellular. Mm-hmm. Bicellular, I believe. Um, but you also have closed cell and open cell. One of the problems is that if you use open cell, which would be right here, is that if you were to dip this into water, um, it would be soaked. It, it, yeah, it would be, like it would be you... completely soaked, and that would obviously cause a problem with the resting. And yet it's of, widely of used. Yes. It's so this, widely used. So, this so if, it's, if it's a very arid climate, yeah. then you might be able to get away with using something like an open cell where you're less likely to have, you know, a whole lot of moisture. All right, let's Tony and Corey dumb this down. Yeah, so, first of all, if you're using a what Corey's about to describe an open cell, that, it's like that, a mattress foam. That caulking is going to adhere to that. Yeah, but the tensile strength of the foam, it doesn't really It would just peel right yeah, off, Yeah, it would right? peel right off. So okay. it's not a problem in that regard. Okay. So let's let's back this up a little bit because we're talking about backer rod. Some of our audience they probably don't even know what backer rod is. Essentially what you're saying is you you want a 2 to 1 depth to width ratio, with, width to sorry, depth. width yeah. to depth. With, with you want depth. it two times wider than it is deep, mm-hmm. which means if you have a half inch gap, you want it to be a, a quarter, quarter of inch, an inch deep. deep. But if you get to a situation where it's three eighths of an inch width, then what would be the the depth? Still three sixteenths. No, ah, but, are... but the minimum it's quarter inch. It'd be quarter oh, inch. Okay. So in that case, it's actually not a two to one. It would be a three to two. Yeah, okay. two to but one it, goes away at that point because yeah. you do have yeah. maximums and minimums mm-hmm. that you have to. But meet, it works. So. It's just not. It's ideal. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not ideal. So you just have to account for what those overriding factors are uh, if you're trying to get that. that two okay. To one with so let's describe ratio. this. So you have a situation where you have a half inch wide gap. That's mm-hmm. the perfect scenario. Yeah. 
but it's an inch deep. Or, you know, or it's an inch and a half deep because yeah. you're caulking a two by, right? Right. Or who knows? I mean, honestly, you could be you could be putting this in an application where there is an undetermined amount of gap behind, right? So you could be just dumping tube after tube after tube after tube in there, filling this big old giant I've seen it. I have some, seen it too. Where, where you, some siding came off, and here's this three gobs. tubes of caulking back there. Just squished in as far they, as much as you can. They were just trying to get it to fill all the way up. So instead of messing with that whole mess, you stuff something in there that's intended to be there. It's called backer rod. Right. Mm-hmm. And backer rod comes in three different types. Mm-hmm. The one you described is open cell. It's it's kind of like this off-white, tanny. It looks like mattress foam. Yeah, or like a you know like a cheap foam mattress. That's exactly what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, and it's, you can just you can just pull it apart. Yeah, you can you just, just pull tear it apart, tear it, it's, squish it easy. It's porous, so it'll hold water, and it just comes apart really easy. And then you mm-hmm. have open cell, which is very squishy. That would be bi- bicellular. Bicellular. Yeah. So you, your so your mattress stuff that's open cell. Yeah. Oh, yeah, open this cell. is open cell. Then you have bicellular, and then you have closed closed cell. cell. And the optimal one to use is it would probably be bicellular because the risk that you would run if you were to use closed cell is that if you were to damage that backer rod so let's say you're, you're trying to, to stuff it in let's say that you cut it open and then you go to uh caulk over it it will outgas and in those different parts where it has been damaged it will then arrest the cure and in many cases it will cause bubbles um which is okay. obviously not what you want so, so. dumb that down yeah <laughs> the Closed cell foam, when it's manufactured, those cells that are closed, it literally is just closed, and it's really dense. When you squish it, it's really dense. There, the gas that's in that mm-hmm. is is will cause a problem with the caulking that you put against it. If, it, if it's damaged. So if you've damaged that backer rod when installing, right. it will then go through that out gas, so all of the gas that's within that will go out, and then it will... Uh, in many, in many cases, arrest the cure of the sealant. So, so it won't allow it to cure. It will not allow it to cure. And then it will, could potentially cause it to bubble. So what you want to order if you're uh, filling gaps is to to get bicellular. Mm-hmm. That's what you said? Yeah, bicellular. Bicellular would be ideal. And it's you, a little, you can add a, a couple more comments to add a about little, it. A little open and a little closed. Yeah, so real quick, one of the problems, though, is that the closed cell keeps its shape better. So the sample here was off the rod. Notice how it's become elliptical in oh, yeah. shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then you've got a trade-off. Okay, I like bicellular because it's not going to outgas, but it comes off the spool elliptical, and then that can mess up getting it to stay in place where you want it to. So then it's like pick one or yeah. the other. So we'll say closed cell or bicellular. But no open cell. You can but quickly you, tell the story about the. Uh, well, we'll do it for oh, another. Well, uh, we can. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is. Don't have enough time. Par Lumber Company keeps this product on the shelf. Yes. Uh, it, oh. Usually in three sizes, like uh, three eighths inch, half inch, five eighths inch. Yeah. I've seen even quarter inch. In quarter inch. Okay. Here's something funny, Corey. You know we stock a product called pipe insulation, foam pipe insulation, which yeah. is also a closed cell foam. Uh, I had a guy that had a gap in a driveway so big that he was buying uh, 
inch and a half pipe insulation, <laughs> foam pipe insulation, to fill the gap that he had to call. I mean, here's the thing. You're presented with the challenges you're presented with. Obviously, most commonly, you can do it with 3 eighths, half inch, or 5 eighths. But you still find yourself presented with the challenges you're presented with. And this guy was finding a solution. And um, I feel like we're all find ourselves in those situations <laughs> time and again. Stuffing pool noodles in there. We actually, we actually have to take another quick break. When we come back, more with the guys from Master Seal. You're listening to Tony Core, your weekend words. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for sticking around with us today. We've been talking about sealants. It's a, you think this is a very simple topic, but it is very scientific. So it's uh we're talking about when we say sealants, we mean caulking. You know, you, you grab that tube of silicone and you just squirt it in the, the corner of whatever you're sealing. But it's not that easy. There are so many different products on the market it's insane so we've got bruce and nate in here with master builder solutions uh you probably know them as basf np150 sauna born master seal yeah tx1 that's a huge one Uh, all of these products are manufactured by the company that bruce and nate work for and he's in here kind of explaining to us the differences between interior exterior what makes an exterior caulk fail uh what is the uh, the ingredients in those that you want to look for or why that Master Seal or Master Builder Solutions is the product. Yeah, and w- really what does the product do really, really good that makes it amazing on the exterior of your home? And I think after all the conversation we've had, uh, not to simplify it too much, but let's throw a couple of very important words out there. Two super important things that they do and one of them is an adhesion, and one of them is flexibility. Right. It has to not only be adhesive and flexible, but it has to remain adhesive and flexible. And when it's not doing both of those things really good, then it's an inferior product. Now, having said that, there are different levels of that, and those different levels uh, directly correspond with the value of the product or the, exactly. the cost of the product. You have to be able to make a product that everybody can afford for their, let's say, less intensive projects, right? You were just telling me that you're working on a project downtown Portland, um, a high rise? A uh, historic building. A historic building. Okay. In this application, it could not be more important that that you have the number one top performing product in that situation. Now someone is building a doghouse, mm-hmm. and of course they want Fido not to get rained on, and they don't want the they don't want the siding that they put on the doghouse to you know to rot either. So they're going to use a product, but they don't want to pay eight dollars a tube for the product they're putting on the doghouse. So those are of course extreme examples, but you have to have those price point levels and when you do the product performs at that level 
So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, I know Nate that you have you have some information to share, just you know regarding uh, you said modulus and of course class rating. So let's talk about that, and I'm going to throw you a curveball. You ready? Yeah. I also want to talk a little bit about solvents and volatile organic compounds and how those things affect a, a a sealant like yours or like its competition out there. And so people can kind of get an understanding of how those things play into the performance of a product like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I can hand it over uh, to you, Dad, if you would like to talk about the volatile <laughs> organic compounds. Well, just briefly, vol- VOC is volatile organic compounds. So that's the, the there's a group of products that are considered um, uh, not good for the environment, okay? So volatile organic compounds are the amount of that ingredient in a given volume for the material, okay? But that being said, that ultimately is a solvent and that solvent flashes off. And when that solvent flashes off, what happens? It shrinks and it also loses a lot of its integrity that it had when the solvent was in there. And so it tends to get stiffer and harder, loses flexibility. And so you're heading down that pathway towards a non-performing joint sealant. So when you put any product in any uh, void, it looks pretty good when you first put it in there. You know, it just it does its job. It gets in there, it's sticky, looks great. But what we're talking about is over time. Correct. All of the solvents in there evaporate off gas, I guess is the, the easiest way to say that. And what's left is the solids. And once all those things are gone, it's no longer flexible. The product or certainly much less flexible much, much with, less. than it was when you first put it in. Now, I'm going to throw another situation at you that we haven't even talked about. But there are products on the market that react poorly with construction, other construction products. For instance, the tape that you put around a window. So if you put a, a, a standard asphalt-based tape which everybody, a lot of people use them. A better product would be a butyl, butyl rubber. Uh, but the, the asphalt tapes are less expensive, so inherently people gravitate to those because they think the best way to save money is on the waterproofing on my house. I'll never understand that, but... <laughs> asphalt tape, uh, a.k.a. bitchethane. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you, when you smell it, it smells like wet asphalt. Right, okay. And those products... Uh, same situation. They off gas, they get hard and are no longer sticky. And it's the one thing keeping water from getting into your house if it gets behind your siding or windows. Well, some of those products react poorly with certain sealants. Regardless of whether the sealants have VOCs or not, by the way. So some solvents off gas so much stuff or some caulkings off gas so much uh, VOCs that it interacts with the rubber or, or the asphalt tapes and will actually melt it. And I've seen, I've been on job sites where the tape has literally dissolved because of the caulking they used against that particular tape and it drips black like blood. It looks like blood dripping down like a horror film, but it's black. Just one more really good reason to use a, a product system for your waterproofing. If you have chosen to go with FortiFlash or something like that, FortiFlash also makes a 
sealant. And they also make a, you know, for all setting of, the windows. Yes. Yeah, for all of those products in that family, that product family, it makes sense to use those things. They're intended to be used together. They work together. They won't fail because of each other. So that's that's a makes perfect sense. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about. Uh... Well, let me throw you a curve even one step further. What if instead of having an asphalt or butyl rubber, rubber preformed flashing tape? You used a sealant to do that function. Ooh. And it's a sealant that's of the same chemistry as NP150. So there's other way, you know, so that's kind of the the state of the, the art right now is using what they call liquid flashings to uh, get the uh, thing sealed because for a lot of times you've got you know, bug, not bug holes, but flaws in the wood and so forth. And that tape doesn't really adhere all the way. Whereas if you're shooting a sealant and then striking it off, you've got intimate contact all the way around the window. I want to hear about that. Yeah, we definitely need to, I mean, I I feel like I've seen some of that. We don't sell a lot of it, but uh, it definitely sounds like something that is a comprehensive product uh, when it's installed. So let's cover that. Before we do that, we got to take a quick break. So don't go away. You're listening to Tony Core, your weekend warriors, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for uh, staying with us. Today we've got Bruce and Nate with Master Builder Solutions, and we're talking about caulking, sealants. It's a very uh, scientific uh, show today. There's it's a super lot of... sticky and kind of waterproof. <laughs> There's a lot of terminology going on in here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, before we went to the break, you we were actually talking about something specific right before we went to the break. Liquid flashing. Oh yeah, that's Bruce right. threw this at us because we were talking about how different sealants and different uh, chemicals in those sealants can off gas, and what you're left with is a crappy product. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's going to crack. It's not going to stretch anymore, and it's going to be a failure. Water's going to get into your building, and. BASF products, if installed properly, what makes them different? And then we can get a little bit about liquid flashing as well. Gotcha. Well, I'm going to turn that back to Nate. What makes uh, 150 different in terms of uh, that modulus topic that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, you earlier you said NP150, which is your best product. Yes. I always call that your best product for residential use. You called that a hybrid. Mm -hmm. What What does that mean? Well, as a hybrid, at least in terms of the chemistry, it's slightly, it'd be a little bit different than uh, what uh, TX1 would be. So it's an STPE, which stands for uh, Silyl Terminated Polyether. Obviously, I'm, I'm not the expert in the, uh, in the chemistry realm. That would be over to uh, my dad, so he can explain a little bit more about, about that. So. But STPE is fine, so yeah. it's a hybrid. Yeah. So there's two types of hybrids. There's also STPU, or SPUR, uh, which is MP100. So they've taken basically the chemistry of polyurethane and the chemistry of silicone and merged them together. Oh, okay. Simplest way to look at. But 
what's the problem with silicone when you're working outside and you've got a house that you need to paint? Yeah, well, let's, yeah, let's. Paint's not going to stick, right? Let's talk about this. What are the different, the different products that are on the market? Your competitors. We don't have to say the brands. Yeah, yeah. But what are in those and what makes them inferior to NP150? Yeah, and, and also, in addition to what you just said, why can't you paint silicone? Yeah. It's the nature of the chemistry. I mean, it's it's got physical properties that just make it a low surface tension material and paint won't adhere. I think we all kind of know that. Yeah. Paint, you know, paint does not stick to silicone. Here's the thing. I feel like we should know that. But then you walk through a store and you pick up a tube and it says, paintable silicone. Oh, really? I thought silicone wasn't paintable. No, what the heck does that mean? I think that means it's acrylic latex with a dash of silicone. And, and I, you know, I don't know exactly, but I've never seen one that performs any differently than uh, an acrylic latex. It's usually water-based, and the water-based chemistry just is not as durable as, I hate to use the word solvent-based, but... The non-water-based uh, chemistry. So you kind of probably—it's probably like a dog whistle. They, they you know, they they put that on there because people think, oh, silicone's really good. It's stretchy and it, it's adhesive. It sticks really well, but it's paintable, right? Which means it's not a silicone. It's well, here's well, not the 100%. thing. It means it's with silicone, right? And what portion of the silicone that's there obviously is not so much that it turns the product into a product that can't be painted. So right. I mean, you just have to. A spade, a, call a spade a spade. Yeah, yeah. If the product is 100% silicone, and we know that silicone can't be painted, then that product cannot be painted. If it says it's a paintable silicone, then that means it's an acrylic product that mm -hmm. has some silicone in it. Right. And maybe that makes it better than an acrylic product that doesn't have any silicone in it. Um, and it makes it paintable. But you literally are getting exactly... Uh, what you know you're getting. If it's paintable, it's not 100% silicone. If it's not 100% silicone, then it's not doing you what your grandfather told you silicone would do for you. Right. But keep in <laughs> mind, there are different uh, grades of 100% silicone, just like we talked about movement class. So the bathtub caulk that you're using smells like vinegar. It's an acetoxy. So from, from the word acetic acid, which is what vinegar is the main component of vinegar. Okay. So an acetoxy silicone is class 25. It's relatively non-movement. And so it gets used inside. There are high performance silicones, however, which are used exterior, also 100%. And they have that, you know, class 50, class 100 slash 50 movement capability. And they're excellent products as long as you don't need to paint them. So on a high-rise building, uh, for holding windows in, they actually structurally glaze the windows in with silicone. Great product for the right purpose. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so let's take a moment, real quick, before you do that. I want to take a moment with uh, with Nate and talk about the classes. Mm -hmm. You said class twenty-five, mm -hmm. and I know from our conversation that class twenty-five is a product that's not as flexible when when it's in its application. Um, and we know that because you have all these samples in front of us that we're able to play with. And it's very clear to me now, as I have the chance to um, to sort of bend and manipulate a couple of pieces of wood that are held together only by a bead of sealant. And a class 25 is pretty rigid. It's flexible, mm. more flexible than just a solid piece of wood, yeah. and yet not nearly as flexible as some with a higher class. So what are the classes? So for the most, I mean, you can go down to, I believe class, you know, 12 and a half, which would be 12, 12 and a half percent movement, uh, for expansion as well as contraction. So obviously if you go up to 25%, 25 
25% movement, both, you know, expansion as well as contraction, you go all up to 100 slash 50. So it's able to expand 100% and then contract 50%. So if you if we go back to the, the half inch wide uh, joint example that we had, so if you put a class 25 sealant in, it'd be able to expand an eighth of an inch and then contract an eighth of an inch. So you get a quarter or a quarter of an inch of movement. If you had a 100 slash 50, it'd be able to expand half an inch and then contract a quarter of an inch, which then gives you three quarters of an inch uh, of movement. So that's one of the, the factors that have been used uh, in order to distinguish what is a high performing sealant and what is not a high performing sealant or, or not as high performing sealant, I, I should say. Um, but obviously not every single sealant that would be within each uh, movement class category, they're not all going to perform the same. So you have to think about then what is a different indicator that you can then use to distinguish the performance within each of the categories. And in some cases, products that state that they are class 100 slash 50 actually have a similar performance, if not inferior performance to something that might be a class 25. Um, so what my dad and I, well, my dad, and then I, I just helped him with it in terms of the testing. Uh, we uh, were able to look more at modulus, which I believe he mentioned earlier, which is more of the resistance to movement. Um, and we're able to determine that different sealants, uh, to, a better way of indicating the performance would be looking at relative sealant tension. So uh, just, I mean, in the example that we have, we just have a little uh, luggage weight and we would try to pull, you know, quarter by half inch dimension wide sealant and then be able to measure uh, the the tension that is generated at at different points. So if we pull it to 100% extension, 200%, 300%, and then be able to compare the values. Now, granted, the unit of measure is in pounds, so that's why we say it's relative sealant tension, um, but then we compare that with a variety of different products and then see if uh, the values that we get at say 100%, 200% within class 100 slash 50, how similar they are to other movement classes. And in many cases in which we can get into uh, probably in the next segment, because we won't have enough time for right now um, would be how some of these values that we get at class 100 slash 50 are actually very similar, if not worse, uh, performing than class 25 sealants. Well, so. that's interesting because flexibility is really only one, you know, aspect of a really good sealant. You you said flexibility and adhesion, mm -hmm. right? And you guys, I mean, this is really good stuff. I mean, I'll tell you what though, I need a class 150 pair of pants for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Yeah, man. I'm going to start selling pants yeah. with class 150 waistline. I absolutely love this where you have you have, you have uh, ran out of bead of caulk, uh, ran out of bead of sealant, and then removed that from its application. And now you're holding in your, I'm holding in my hand right now, just the bead by itself and feeling how stretchy it is. And then knowing that compared to an entry level of another product like a class 25 that would not do anything any we're near this. Yeah, that thing it's, stretches. The the difference in performance between your product and some other products uh, is absolutely amazing to me. And we've got so much more to talk about. Don't go away, guys. We're gonna be right back. Folks, you're listening to Tony Core, your weekend warriors. Hang in there. to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. 
Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today we've got Bruce and Nate with Master Builder Solutions in the studio with us. Uh, if you haven't already, go check out our uh, Facebook and Instagram. We're at WW Home Show. Uh, you can like and follow our page. We put all kinds of really cool stuff on there. Uh, we're also shooting YouTube videos that we put up uh, on our YouTube channel. If you search the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, those should come up. And uh, we've got all kinds of really cool stuff on there. If you miss any part of this show and you want to go listen to it, you can check it out at uh, on any podcast uh, software that's that you use. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and... iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. I always forget that one. Yeah, you did good. But uh, anyway... Today we're talking about sealants. It's very, very scientific. So we're trying to dumb it down for you onto Tony Corey level. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying to dumb it down for us. We're actually asking the questions and forcing the guys to tell us uh, this product in uh, about this product in layman's terms so we understand it better. Um, during the break, actually, Nate and I had a little conversation. We were talking about low and high modulus which uh, went right over my head. But basically, after he explained it to me, um, there's there's a one way that they test this product, right? So we talked about class rating. A low class rating of 12.5 or 25 uh, in these products generally indicates less flexibility. So it doesn't move around quite as much. And you in an area that you're using your product where there's going to be less um, shrink and grow or less thermal movement, then that product will probably do okay there uh, because it's it doesn't it's not flexible a lot. Um, but then a very low modulus is a different way of, uh, or I'm sorry to say modulus is a different way of of measuring the flexibility of these things. And so we were talking about a low modulus, low modulus being highly flexible. Um, and so some of these products are different, like silicone, for example. And uh, this particular product we were looking at, which is, has a very low modulus. Here is something that you said that uh, rings with me, and I'm going to hold on to this. One of the things that is going to make your product, whatever product it is that you choose, succeed or successful in an application where the product that you're sealing between, it's got a lot of movement, right, is to reduce the tension at the bond line. The bond line is where the sealant adheres to the product that you're sealing. And so reducing the tension simply means this. If it's going to shrink and grow and the product you've chosen to put in there has a low class rating or or a high modulus tension, right? Then it's going to be pulling on it and forcing that caulking to do everything in its power to not fail or come apart or split or whatever. But if you put a product in there that has low modulus or that is high flexibility, then the tension's not there because the product is not being tested. So if you know this area where you're going to be caulking is a high movement area, you know the product is going to shrink and grow. One of those places, Corey, is when you're sealing between a concrete fiber cement product and a wood product. Yeah. Those two things don't substrates. Yeah, they don't work together. And so if those are going to be moving a lot, you need to put something in there that's going to be super flexible so that it doesn't grow that tension there and cause it to fail. Now, the simplest way I can think of that is that the the that directly related to these caulkings. We have all these samples out in front of us and you grab them. You grab the NP150 and it's two pieces of wood 
joined together by a bead of caulking. A super, super flexible bead of yeah, caulking. Yeah, I mean, you can bend that thing, just twist it around, it's super easy. Yeah. And it comes right back, you flip it, and it comes right back to its normal size. Like and then you, you said, grab the, we, want our, we want our Thanksgiving dinner pants yes. to be made out of this. <laughs> then you grab okay. one of the other products made with a competitor that has a low modulus... Higher, be modulus. Higher, higher, modulus. Higher, higher modulus. Higher modulus, which means... Lex flexible. It's really stiff. Yeah. It doesn't flex. That's this guy. Yeah, this guy, this guy right here. Yeah, this For one. example. You, you can barely bend this wood. And I feel like if you bent this af- enough times, it would just tear away sure. from the piece of wood, which is what you don't want. You want something with a high flexibility like NP150. Right. And and it's also notable that this product actually is has been, you know, it's been months and months since this product was originally gunned between these two pieces of product. Even to the point where when you look at it, they had tooled it flat, right? Even with the top of the surface. Mm-hmm. And now you can see that it has shrunk away. Some of the solvents and product that were inside there have already begun to to go away, yeah, yeah. making this product even it's uh, like a concave. Yeah, it's already starting to lose its ability to do those things. And so when you compare that to a product that, you know, has lost less or is a low vo- volatile organic con- compound product, then, you know, it just performs better. These are some of the things to look for. And like uh, and like Bruce told us, the orange tube that has TX1 or MP1, MP150 or MP100, it doesn't tell you all of that stuff on there. You would need to go to the website mm-hmm. and take a look at the specs to see that stuff. But you can see it. They don't hide the information. They just don't feel like they need to put it on the tube uh, to try to sell the product, right? Because the product essentially sells itself. Yeah. yeah. I think m- overwhelmingly people that try it understand it. And they they it's tough because the people that put it on, they look at a different set of criteria than people like me, the end user, right? I got right. to they, right. they look at the cost and they look at how easy it guns on. I That's have really to, it. I have to tell yeah. a story just right on the, in, in line with this right here. I can't tell you how many times I had a conversation with a framer who's going to be um, who's going to be using um, this a product, a product, mm-hmm. and he says, "You say, do you want textured or not textured? You want TX1 or MP150?" And he goes, oh, you better give me the texture. I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to tool it. I don't want to, I don't want to be able to see all my mistakes. You know, guys look at a textured sealant product as an opportunity to not have to do a good job. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody will know because it's got the texture in there. So it already has that sort of. Well, that's better than the guy that comes in who says, give me Volcom. And you go, why? And they go, oh, it's really sticky. <laughs> it's yes, really sticky. It's their only criteria. <laughs> yeah. It's really sticky. You want to see my caulking pants? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, it's Let's really sticky. Let's see your caulking job in a year from now when it's all dried up. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, we're not bashing products today, but um, I can tell you from personal experience, I've been in my home that I built 15 years. And uh, after 15 years, it didn't take 15 years. It only took five or seven. After seven years, I watched the caulking that was used to around the windows and doors in my house fail miserably. And not just in a few spots and not just on the southern face. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean... There are products out there that literally will only last five years or six years. It just dries up. And guess what? It's not working anymore. Folks, that was 15 years ago. And 15 years ago, I'm telling you right now, 
because I've been in the building industry for 30. 15 years ago, we thought that product that shrunk up and failed in five years was the best thing on the market. We are learning still today about what the very best products are. And if you're talking to a professional behind the counter at, uh, at a par lumber company, for example, if they tell you this is the product that's going to save you money and time in the future, uh, listen to them. I mean, because those guys know. These guys right here, if only we could have you guys or clones of you on every counter at every par lumber across the, uh, across the country, uh, we would sure have be, we'd be better. You guys have probably... Work yourselves right out of a job, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. You just have to leave these samples at every front counter and have people play with them like we are. Yeah. You see, you play with this and you see it and you bend it and you're like, oh man, this one's crappy. Yeah. And then you pull up this other one and you're like, oh my. That's really that good. is stretchy. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing to me. And then those those two really big words, the descriptive words about your product and how it finds success. And those words are, do you remember what they are? Modulus. Oh, <laughs> flexibility. I know that was it. That's and right. adhesion. That's right. Flexibility and adhesion. Those two. I didn't think those were difficult words. Those, those. Well, they're, the, they're not a difficult. They're important. Oh, I was going to the other ones. They're key. Oh, yeah. Modulus was hard. And then class rating. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I can't understand. Remember all that stuff, but I can tell you that there are some things that we learned today. Don't go away, folks. we gotta, we got to take one more break, and then we're going to come back and wrap this up. You're listening to Tony Core, Your Weekend Warriors. We'll be right back. Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for sticking around with us. Today we're talking with Bruce and Nate from Master Builders Solutions. And uh, if you have any questions or if you want to go look at their website, it's master-builders.com dash solutions.com of course if you google it you can just search you know np150 or tx1 tx1 and or master sure seal come right yeah. up yeah there's there's yeah absolutely you'll find it orange tube i mean the, it's really the only tube out there that looks the way it looks and uh and it is uh it's an extremely amazing product yeah bottom uh, line np150 is the best caulking on the market for yeah. residential use. Yep, I agree with that there completely are other, as well. Like you said, there's other caulkings for specific, very specific application. And if you get into the weeds, there are so many manufacturers for very specific things that it's hard to say, yeah, this is the best thing for everybody because it's not. This is the best residential caulking on the market for adhesion, for flexibility, for paintability, and longevity. Yeah, for exterior use. Um, on, on siding and trim, windows, doors, uh, that kind of stuff outside. What if I wanted to put this on my bathtub? Yeah, what about that? Can I put this stuff on my bathtub? You could. It's It actually has inherent mildew resistance to it. Um, you know, it's kind of a... Although, I don't know. I haven't bought bathtub caulk in a long time. <laughs> That's not that cheap either, right? No. So, no. So, so the cool thing is, I think you can do it with either NP100 or NP150, but let's let's not say the bathtub, but let's say you're doing a plumbing fixture and you wanted to then paint it, you could. Oh. Whereas if you're doing it with silicone, forget the painting, right? right so absolutely. you're going to be stuck with whiter 
white or white, I think. Yeah. Like yeah. A, like so, your toilet, if you want to paint your toilet. Is that where well, I'm just thinking the back of where it goes through the wall. Yeah, Let me sure. picture through the no, wall. But the paint in the toilet, that might be a possibility. Yeah. I don't know. Some primers. Some yeah, really good yeah, primer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, okay. uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking about uh, I was thinking about all of the stuff that we've talked about and and I wonder about this. Tell me this. Does Master Seal um, have a warranty? Is it a warranted product? Yes. Absolutely. So there's two different types of warranties. There's one that's a little more, I'll say, formal, um, and it involves uh, provide a lot of different information. It depends kind of on who's requesting the warranty. If it's an architect that's involved, we'll call that an architectural warranty. But there is a limited 20-year warranty now. This is very new uh, on NP150. So it, there's a tear-off sheet, and I can get you some of those, um, and they can submit it. So if there's any issues within 20 years, then they, you know there's parameters who they contact and whatever, and they take care of it. So, uh, but you're not going to get that 20-year warranty on every product. It's just on the NP150. Well, and that seems like a long time. Well, yeah. that's saying something because I, I feel like sealant, exterior sealant, is not expected to last 20 years under normal circumstances. But maybe we're when we're talking about this product, we're talking about something different. Exactly. What, what is the general rule of thumb when people in the industry are talking about how long an exterior sealant should be lasting on on the exterior of our home? What do you say is the about the life expectancy, generally speaking? I would say 10 years if it's painted. So the paint protects the sealant, right? So if the paint lasts 10 years... You know, the, there's still stuff going on with the sealant underneath. So I would say roughly 10 years. So let's if say it's this, painted. So what if so it's, every time you get your house painted, you're supposed to be replacing the caulking? Well, at least checking it to see what kind of condition it's in, certainly. And if you find caulking on the house around trim or windows or doors or whatever, and you can see that it's split or it's pulling away from the siding or whatever, do you replace a portion? You can. Or do you determine that if it started to do this here, it's probably going to start doing it everywhere, and this is the time? I mean, here's the thing. You don't want to replace caulking after you paint, and if you find some areas where it's failing, it it makes sense that now is the time, especially if the amount of years that have passed are at or around 10 years. In my case, my stuff was toast by five. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I didn't have a choice. I'm, mm -hmm. I mean, and and I hadn't even painted yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if you think about the average builder, the average builder's home warranty is it ten years. Yeah, ten year liability. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if your caulking that you're putting on as a builder isn't even lasting ten years, it's probably time to look at what you're using. Absolutely, Bruce. What would you say? What would be your sales pitch your elevator speech to any builder out there that's thinking about their caulking right now they're like oh man i've been using this stuff uh for 20 years and i just keep getting callbacks and callbacks to come fix these problems and i didn't know this and they want to be better what would what would be your sales pitch to them well i I, we haven't really spent much time on this, but one thing that's really important is installation. We did talk a little bit about the right. the joint dimensions and everything. 
um, their problems could be simply related to improper, you know, installation too too deep. I mean, think about it. If you're an inch and a half deep, that's like pulling three times the amount of mass. So it's going to be that much more in terms of tension. And we we're talking about reducing tension at the bond line. So that would be number one would be an installation thing. So I'd go from an education standpoint, but I would say from performance, it's like, do you want something that's going to stay flexible for a long period of time? I can sell you something that will stay flexible for 10 years or something that'll stay flexible. If it's warranted for 20, it'll stay flexible long beyond that, right? Right. And then do you want to pay more for that? Is that is that worthwhile to you? And if that's worthwhile to you, we've got that product. If it's not, then here's this. And that's basically why I sell, a, or we sell now, a lot of both products do you want the best or you just want a good product that it's that's going to take care of you? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to just throw this out there. The price swing. I just did the math in my head. Okay, go for it. The price swing between uh, on the average house. Say the average house is somewhere between 80, 60 to 100 tubes of caulking, of sealing. Wow. That's... Mm-hmm. And that's the average. That's what I see when I ship a house. It's around anywhere between 60. 60 usually is a around, small one, yeah. Yeah, but usually, usually close to 100. It's bigger houses, 120 tubes of sealant. Okay. That's a lot of caulking. Yeah, that's a lot of caulking. And the price difference between the cheapest stuff you can buy and NP150 for an entire house is probably 400 bucks, 500 bucks. So you're talking about something $500. Think about that. Seems like a lot. You're like, oh man, five hundred bucks, but five hundred dollars ten years from now is nothing. Five hundred dollars, nothing. Five years from now, right? Yeah. If you're dealing with a situation like I did on my personal house, or if you're, you know, having warranty issues and you have to go back from bubbling or you know splitting or you know having to cut it out and replace it and paint the labor, it is, it is not worth it. No, five hundred dollars is not worth it. I absolutely I'm agree sorry. with that. It is worth it. And, <laughs> and since we're talking about that, as plain as day as that is, I also want to talk about this other very simple thing. You mentioned, uh, Bruce, you mentioned installation. We didn't talk a lot about installation, but we did talk about this. If your siding and your trim are touching, or if your trim and your window are touching, if these products that you're supposed to be putting a quarter by quarter bead of sealant in, Minimum. Minimum are touching, then guess what? You're getting what they call a fillet bead, and it is not doing what it's supposed to do. So the fact is, you have to leave a gap. People don't want to leave a gap. You have to leave a gap, and it needs to be quarter by quarter minimum. And then you need to get the product in there so that it can do its job. If you're not giving it an opportunity to perform, then you're you're doing yourself a disservice from you're, from you're moment asking for failure from moment one. So installation is a big part of this, and uh, making sure that you have the proper gap size before you start, and making sure you're putting the proper amount in there. And if it's deep, buy the backer rod and use it. You know, I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like we just want to get something on there, maybe smooth it out a little bit so it looks good, and then we're like. Done. Looks good. Yeah. Uh, looks I good see, from my house is what yeah, they're thinking. I'm on a lot of job sites, and I see a lot of tight siding to trim. And that fillet bead is probably pretty darn common. I see that a lot. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yep, so. yep. And the other thing, too, from the depth standpoint, if you put back rod in there, the back rod's a lot cheaper than the cost of the sealant that's filling true. that void. That's absolutely, absolutely That's true. for sure. <laughs> 
Well, I, I mean, I feel like we have covered a lot of territory, and by all means, if it felt like it got away from you, check us out on uh, on one of our uh, Spotify or one of our podcast locations and listen to it again. There's a ton of information here. Uh, Bruce and Nate, thank you guys so much for being with us. MasterBuildersSolutions.com. Check it out. You guys are the best. Have a great rest of your week. And folks, that's all the time we got. Have a great week. You're listening to Tony Corey, your Weekend Warriors, right here on the Weekend Warriors Radio Network. See you soon.